Are you guys ready up there? Alright. Alright, quiet on the set. Listen back to this recording of a very special panel producing from Beyond the Pale 2, which took place in Wexford last November. This talk was moderated by myself, Fiona Kinsella, and features Jess Drum, David McLaughlin, Jack Curran, Coleman Farrell, Mark Marr and Tom Dowling as they discuss the scope of the industry at large, as well as the opportunities when it comes to production across the regions. Following on from the success of last year's Producing From Beyond the Pale panel, Women in Film and Television Ireland and Wexford Screenwriters Academy have come together once more to host the second iteration of the event. Wexford Screenwriters Academy is a Bodisi Films, Screen Wexford and Wexford County Council initiative funded by Creative Ireland and Screen Ireland. Producing From Beyond the Pale is a Women in Film and Television Ireland event funded by Screen Stakeholders and Commission Naman. The event was held in Wexford Arts Centre and streamed online, supported by the National Youth Film and Animation Network. So uh, this event, uh, Producing From Beyond the Pale 2, is a follow-on from an event, uh, a talk that we did 2nd of December last year, um, and it's uh, run by Women in Film and Television Ireland and Screen Wexford. It's sponsored by uh, the Screen Ireland Stakeholder Funding, Commission Namam, Wexford County Council, Creative Ireland, and have I got everyone? I'm, I think that's everyone. It's, there's a lot. <laughs> Uh, uh, but thank you to all of those for making it possible. And so the whole reason that we wanted to run this event is that the last couple of years, you know, we've seen a rise, is a rising number of filmmakers moving away from Dublin and other urban centres. And sometimes this is for economical reasons and other times it's just because, uh, just for a better life. Um, I'm one of those people. I moved back to Wexford in 2020. And for me, that's been a real game changer for me. It's just, um, I, I'm busier than I've ever been. And it's just great. I can be in Dublin when I want to be. And um, when I come home, I can just shut the door and relax. And that's there's something to be said for that when, <laughs> when you're really busy. Um, and then other filmmakers have been working outside of Dublin for years. And a lot of them have been doing it really successfully. Like there's some really amazing success stories. We have one of them down here, Mark Marr, from, who's the CEO of Odyssey Studios. Um, and then of course in Kilkenny, we've got Cartoon Saloon. And part of the reasons that Cartoon Saloon moved to Kilkenny was young Irish filmmakers. So we're gonna talk a little bit to Tom Dowling about that uh, later as well. Um, Mo Honan, um, like there's there's so many people uh, who've been doing great work outside of Dublin. So we wanted to run this panel first of all to celebrate them, and I think as well we're at a particular moment in time where, because of, you know, I think one of the good things that happened out of COVID is the whole idea of remote working and giving us allowing us to do that. And that's made it more accessible for filmmakers working outside of the filmmaking hubs. And also, I think there's a big focus now. There's, this is a moment for anyone working outside of Dublin. Uh, the announcement last week from RTE that they're sending, they're, they're wanting to focus more on the regions. 
And then also, obviously, Screen Ireland and the National Talent Academies have been doing great work in that area. So we've got regional uplift, regional funding from Screen Ireland in order to encourage us to shoot outside of Dublin and look uh, beyond the pale. Um, but what I want to do with this panel is to look at, realistically speaking, what does that look like? Um, how easy is that to do? And what kind of things can we do to make it better? And also, again, to celebrate filmmaking outside of Dublin. So last year's panel, we focused on production companies. And this year, I want to focus a little bit more on crew. So I'm going to just start with uh, Mark Marr here. Sorry. Very good. First so, up. <laughs> sorry to put that. Yeah, no, it's all good. Um, it, do you want to just introduce yourself first of all? Yeah, hi, my name's uh, Mark Marr and I'm uh, CEO of Odyssey Studios. So we uh, do prosthetics, props, large set pieces, um, a lot of design. We have a, a five-axis CNC machine that does very big, large pieces, but it's all film-related sculpture, miniatures, fantasy, um, all that kind of stuff. I've been doing that for about 17 years. Um, I moved outside of Dublin after a couple of productions and just seen the kind of gap there down between Limerick and we have place here in Wexford now as well. Um, and it's just to kind of, I suppose, not be stuck in traffic for me the whole time because we're so busy in the film industry. It's nice to, you know, get a break from the traffic as well as the intensity of the film industry itself. So uh, we opened up this studio and we've been training up uh, people locally as well. We've been working with the WWETB, which is the Waterford and Wexford ETV. And we've been training people doing prosthetics and props. And I've seen one or two people that done the courses there already. So, yeah, it's been a very exciting kind of road for the last uh, few years. Yeah, when I left Dublin. It's great. And um, we worked together last year on a, a science fiction. Yeah, that's and, right. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and like we, we accommodate all the types of films, you know. So it's, it's uh, even we do student films because we have stuff for rent there as well, which be quite expensive to make um, a prosthetics or props sometimes as well. So can we talk a bit like how do you recruit talent in, in Limerick? Um, actually, well, a lot of the, a lot, some of the guys came in on a traineeship, which was they started working and then we trained them up. And then we actually got a lot in from do run the courses. So we're doing very intensive. Uh, we do fantasy miniature courses, prosthetics, technician, uh, makeup, application, uh, and they're very, they are intensive courses, but they're a long, good few weeks course. So we just finished one um, with Don Lanning, who is a sculptor from L.A. And he's come over. He's worked in all the biggest movies over there. And he's been teaching the students here in Wexford that style. And we were able to kind of take from that. And then they were able to go out into production themselves as well. So, yeah, it's a bit of both. Yeah. And do you find it difficult to uh, hold on to the talent then in the... Um, all the, we have a core of about 16 people um, in Odyssey. And we even since COVID, we haven't let anybody go. Um, there's people that want to fly the nest and kind of go off. and Because I worked in New Zealand for many years. And then I've set up a few people over there. Because it's it's like a, another Ireland, I suppose, with the the, the industry, the, the scenery, um, and the talent. Because the talent is here in Ireland as well. So it's, it's nice to... Yeah, I've tried to hold on to them all, but I can't. Yeah. Yeah. And do you, do you find it hard, like, uh, say, if a big job comes in, crewing up, or? Uh, no, because uh, you know, we I know a lot of, let's say, model makers, uh, prosthetic technicians, and stuff. Um, 
and we have a big crew. So normally we'd hire um, out, so we'd bring in an extra 10 or 15 and we'd be able to manage a decent sized production. So any, any kind of big production, normally be able to maintain that. Um, we did foundation for um, down in Limerick. And we did the large sets um, and we did prosthetics for it. And we'd done um, work in the costume department and art department. So we, we were able to crew up. Uh, we we're just a facilitating the crew that's already on the ground, really. Um, yeah. Brilliant. Um, so um, I'm going to move on to Jess now. So Jess, is, you come from, came from the camera department and now you're CEO of Screen Girls Ireland. Um, so can you talk a little bit about Screen Girls and the work that you do? Yeah, um, thank you for having me. Um, I actually spent my formative years in Wexford, so would know an awful lot of crew that are working in Dublin and Wicklow that are from here and would rather not be. So I think a lot of a lot of uh, brilliant work is being done in the regions and, and Screen Wexford in particular. So, you know, but we represent crew all over Ireland. But unfortunately, at the moment, there is that kind of bottleneck in the kind of Dublin Wicklow area. So um, at the moment, I'm, I'm part of the steering groups for the crew academies as well. So that's doing great work in, in Limerick and in Galway um, to sort of bring the crew and train people uh, on the ground. And it's, it's, you know, it's a slow process. It's going to take a number of years to build up that crew base outside of the pressure zone. But a lot of really great work has already started. And I think it's conversations like this that kind of helps for everybody to come together and go, oh, we're doing this here. What about maybe we all come together and help each other out? So, um, you know, a big part of what we're doing is trying to make sure that all crew in Ireland, it's a small country, it's a small industry, but to make sure that everybody has a chance to access the training and to, you know, have a clear idea of where their careers could go um, in Ireland. And as Mark said, then to go, you know, abroad, but to have that kind of... Uh, kind of base here as well, where they're always being mentored. I think unofficially, the Irish industry and the crew uh, are world-class and, uh, and they are always mentoring people and it's always been the case. So I think there's a little bit more structure being put around that, which means everybody has a chance to access it, which is brilliant. Yeah, that's great. Uh, we talked a bit about that last week as well, just about how just it, the training kind of just happens and just everyone is, and we've talked about it earlier as well just that yeah. everyone is very tends to be very generous in, in Ireland um okay so I think it's one thing that and it's great that there is this focus on the regions but there's still as a producer when it comes to shooting outside of Dublin um, like I come from a commercials background as well and sometimes you would be getting scripts in that are shooting on the west coast of Ireland and there's a lot of implications on that and one of the biggest ones is that suddenly you're having to deal with a significant amount of money that's going to be spent on accommodation and per diems and that's not money that you're seeing on the screen and I think um, what we're trying to do at the moment is increase the number of crew that are based in specific regions but that's problematic because you find these great trainees and um, they do really well. And then what tends to happen is they're brought along to the next production. Um, so I kind of wonder, is there a way that we can make the regional uplifts and the training opportunities work a bit smarter? Um, does anyone have anything to say about that? David. Um. 
Yeah, I, I have a number of things to say about it. <laughs> All good, though. Um, I, I just want to take a perspective, particularly about in, incoming international productions, which is a lot of the work that we do. I mean, the only film recently we shot in the regions was, or that we were involved with, I should say, was the Banshees of Ben Sheeran, but obviously that was a very specifically, that was a very location-specific project. But I mean, I think, I mean, at the end of the day, unfortunately, the industry is far too skewed at the moment to that 45 kilometers in Dublin, Wicklow. And the other disadvantage, to be honest, is, is that within that 45 kilometers, there's an amazing variety of locations, which is great if you're within the 45 kilometers, but it's very unfortunate if you're outside of it. So when incoming projects come in, whether they're large American projects, studio projects, or TV dramas, for the most part, they look at the locations within there, and, and, and obviously there's, you know, there's, two, two, there's a number of studios within there. There's obviously Ardmore, there's Ashford, there's Fontill, there's Kiltiernan, so we actually have four students within that area as well, and a few others as well. So that's that's the challenge. I think, going to your point as well, there's an increasing resistance from international financiers and productions to pay for travel accommodation for DMs because their view is that's money off the screen. So therefore, they need to be incentivized. Now, my view is I think the 41 incentive, the regional incentive, um, it was very well intentioned, but it just hasn't worked. Um, you know, it's only 1% higher now at the moment. That makes no difference quite frankly and it was always that sunset clause where it was going to you know finish after five years to for it to be renewed again we'd have to get eu commission approval and you go through a whole process whatever i think it should be entirely separate and for it one and i think there should be a dedicated fund for and i would suggest through screen ireland it should be administered to encourage uh regional filmmaking or to give an incentive to studios financiers on the international side to decide to locate a production predominantly in the regions as opposed to in Dublin. Um, and I think it should be something that should be there for at least 10 years. Because what you need to do is you need to build a sustainable film industry in the regions. You need to have crew, a lot of whom are already, as you pointed out, working in, in the regions, which is great. But um, crew need to know that they can either move back to their home place or they can move to somewhere regionally and they can have a sustainable um, uh, work-life balance and that they can actually build up a job and they can know that they might just they might get one job down in the regions then suddenly they can go back up to Dublin again for another five or six months some other project they need to know there'll be a you know a succession of projects they can work on in the regions that's going to take time to build up mm. um, but the point is there is a tipping point because the more that builds up the more crew are located in the regions the more there is more facilities in the regions and obviously there's a whole other discussion about regional studios which we probably won't have enough time to talk about that side of things. But then what's going to happen is it becomes more attractive to shoot in the regions because the people are there, the facilities are there. Um, and if there's an incentive to kind of, you know, be the catalyst for that to happen, that's how it's going to work. But I think it does come down to the incentive. And I just think that the incentive needs to be different to what it is at the moment because it really hasn't worked. And I think some dedicated funding towards it is what's needed. Jack, you're crewing up for, or you're in pre-pre-production on a film that's shooting on the West Coast. Um, yeah. How are you finding crewing up for that? You're probably not even at that point yet, but... Oh, we are. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, we're, we have a second-time feature maker, a feature writer-director who's written a vampire film. And we early on had budgeted and financed it to shoot it in the Dublin Wicklow area, but we didn't get all the finance together for that. So we had to look across the country and it's a very specific type of location that we're looking for. So that kind of dictated as well. And where we were going to look um, near 
sort of major towns and cities. And Galway worked very well. And we've worked there before. We knew a lot of the crew um, there from shooting our Western. And we basically decided, okay, instead of trying to bring as many crew over from Dublin Wicklow that we knew, let's try and crew up from the ground in Galway um, and access, you know, regional funding and wrap. We're still waiting for them to, <laughs> to uh, commit, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, we, we've found that some of the crew are actually have left the region and they're now living elsewhere, usually around Dublin we go, um, for the exact reasons David's talking about, everyone's talking about, um, which does make it more of a long-term goal as an industry together. Um, but we have actually tried to sort of um, approach training and work placements um, from very early days. Um, and we've been talking to you know, Talent Academy West and Talent Academy South. Um, so we actually know who those people are. Um, so, yeah, it's exciting. But also we don't know whether we're going ahead yet. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it can be done, yeah. you know, and this crew who are like, excited to be able to go back home to Galway or, um, you know, work on indigenous, you know, low-budget feature films that are for the good of everyone um, and share knowledge, um, which has always happened in our industry. Um, now it's just sort of we're all sharing what we are doing. Um, so I, I don't know. So just to explain as well, part of... Section 481, if you're shooting outside Dublin, you're eligible for um, a regional uplift. But part of that regional uplift, you have to fill out something called Tab Z, isn't it? Which is um, basically you have to find trainees who are based in that area. But there's a, a limit, I th is it 45 or 50 kilometres or something on that? They have to be in that area, isn't it? So if you're shooting somewhere like Galway or Clare, Sometimes half of that area is sea. If you're shooting in Dun Donegal, that's even more problematic because everything is so spread out. And probably it's this well, no, I don't know if you get it in Cork, but um, like, and also, you we were speaking about how that training works as well. Um, so it's it's kind of it's all fine and good putting that there but that's more pressure on the producers as well to provide this and to follow up and it's on the HODs who are providing the training as well is there a way do you think that that training elements could work a bit better Jess um I think um I think in terms of the the trainees I have a niece who worked on the job in Donegal and then the next job that came to Donegal, she was outside of that region, so wasn't, you know, didn't qualify. So I definitely think that there's uh, a piece of work to be done around that because, you know, it's it's just not workable, I think. But I think in terms of training, um, the, the database, and, and Coleman could speak to this more, but the database that Screen Ireland have, I, I, I'm sure that there is a, like a thing where it says where you're willing to work as a local. Like, so... If I was to work in Wexford, I could come and, and stay here. It's my family home. So I think that there is that kind of thing where people, for whatever reason, want to come back and, and work here for even a small project. Um, and I do think that it's communication as well uh, and the joint up thinking with all of the, you know, the producers and everybody that's training um, to kind of nurture that talent. Because, you, you know, we're losing a lot of very new talent because, 
you know, in Limerick, unfortunately, there was a really big job. A lot of people were recruited. And a lot of them ended up in Wicklow and Dublin because it got quiet. And, you know, they're staying here. We're staying in Dublin and Wicklow. And the, the idea is to kind of bring everybody back. So I do think, again, like everything else, there, there needs to be a long-term plan. I think David was saying 10 years. It is that. That's as long, you know, we can't, there's no quick fix. I think it's it's definitely a long game to get kind of build up those groups within different regions. But I do think that, you know, the conversations with producers and crew and and that's a big part of what we would do as well unofficially in the gills is sort of go, oh, I know somebody from that part of town. I'll give you their number. They'll definitely know people. And we just need to make that more official because obviously that's not the most inclusive way to do it. We're trying to get away from the knowing, you know, friends of friends type of thing. But that is how you get work and how you, you know, know about opportunities is, you know, networking, things like this. Um, but I do think that there is potential for, I don't know, maybe a task force in Ireland to get all of the stakeholders involved in a big conversation um, and have like a 10 year strategy to look at the whole country um, and try and spread out the, you know, spread the wealth of the training. I'm going to bring Coleman Farrell in at this point. So Coleman Farrell is the new head of skills in Screen Ireland. Um, Coleman, can you talk about any initiatives in place or coming down the line that would help with what Jess was just describing there? Sure, great. Uh, just a few kind of comments and, and suggestions on what's been raised already. So firstly, as you probably know, in terms of the region, the formal regional uplift that's being phased out, yeah. and as David said, kind of excellent intention, but maybe imperfect in implementation. So there isn't anything immediately in place there at the moment, but work is still ongoing with the department. So that, you know, they said after the budget, the door was open. So there is at least work kind of happening in the background. That all takes a bit of time, as you guys know, but it's certainly a high priority screen Ireland uh, overall. Um, I think, too, to David's point around, yeah, as someone I'm new to the sector. So my background before this is really working with uh, kind of social entrepreneurs and early stage entrepreneurs. And uh, so partially, on one hand, I know nothing about this space. But I suppose what I do know is essentially how to help people bring something into life, how to bring an idea, a product or service into life. And fundamentally, a lot of my job has really been fun when you take off the title, helping people work together to achieve something, which seems very pertinent, I think, to the sector here overall. I think going to, so how do we have, I think the opportunity, or T, one thing I've, again, fresh to the sector, you see in Dublin Wicklow, there was a history of kind of Vikings and Valhalla. There's also two other shows, Ross Naroon and Red Rock. So kind of coming into it, there's a few key shows that seem to have really stemmed and kind of, you know, a whole sectors have kind of come from that. And so how can we support that going forwards? Ireland and maybe RT devolving a little bit now could be a possibility there. Um, oh, I've lost my train of thought now. Uh, scale, uh, crew, distance. Yeah, um, I'll come back to it. Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> I was on a roll there for a second. Um, maybe I, just while you're, you're catching up with yourself, yeah. I might just bring Jack and David into this as well, because you're both on the steering committee for a drama in um, Spy. So can you talk about anything that uh, Screen Producers Ireland are talking about and doing in terms of developing regional talent? Or We're on the Film and TV Drama Committee. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we'll... Well, I mean, it's, I think... It's a regular conversation, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, it, yeah, and I think it's definitely a priority. You know what I mean? I mean, it's definitely talked about because it is, uh, it's... It's a problem in the industry because 
there's there's a malfunction in the industry, if you know what I mean. If you have a situation where, for example, Troy Studios in Limerick, which is a fantastic facility, and it was a brilliant idea that you and you had to convert, you know, this a disused computer plant into a hundred thousand square foot studio, which is a brilliant idea. But despite everyone's best efforts, it hasn't really been used in the last two and a half years or so. Um, and that's a problem. So I think just fundamental questions why, why and it comes back exactly down to the point you're talking about, that it's there isn't a sustainable so far a sustainable crew base around that particular point, which can uh, mitigate against the, the costs of crew and accommodation um, and so on, per diems and so on. But I think um, just without sort of boring people too much about the 41 thing, the other, the other reason it was a problem is, is that it's all based on this regional map, which is a European regional map, and it's, but it's actually not based in the film industry. It's based on different counties that are economically doing quite well. So you have this kind of crazy situation whereby you can get the regional flip if you shoot in Limerick, but you can't get it if you shoot in Cork. And as you know, Cork is an enormous county, but you can't get it. And the reason is because economically, there's a huge amount of farmer companies in Cork, and therefore it's considered to be a very well, I mean, I'm sure it is a wealthy county, but certainly from a film production point of view, it's not. It's, it's, it's starved of productions, but it's not in the regional map. So anyway, the whole model of the regional uplift hasn't worked, and it's, as Coleman said, it's about to end now anyway. But I think there is, um, certainly at spy level, there's, I think it is, there's, no, there's a real recognition that there is a problem, because in, I think in any industry, if you've got, I don't know what the percentage is, but roughly 90% of feature and TV drama production happening in one forty-five kilometer zone in the east of the country, that's not really right, you know, or it's not really sustainable either for that matter. But it's 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 a whole load of things. It's not it's it's incentivizing international productions as I said to to go outside that forty-five go beyond the pale, to use the phrase. It's also about um the investment in infrastructure regionally. Um and I think it's also about from the from the indigenous production point of view which in a way I think is more straightforward in a sense. I think it's encouraging, again, script writers here, I think it's encouraging people to set scripts more in the regions because I think that's important because so much we're getting now is, you know, kind of set in around Dublin. And I mean, the thing about Dublin is great, Dublin, Wicklow, the port, so you've got everything, you've got urban landscapes, you've got rural landscapes, you've got lakes, you've got mountains, you've got kind of whatever you want, but we need to kind of break that mentality and kind of see well, look, how we can shoot beyond. And of course, Brexit's done well. I mean, you know, Brooklyn obviously shot here. Mm. Uh, the Killian Murphy produced project, I can't remember the title of it now, that shot in New Ross early in the year. So, I mean, it's great to see those things happening. And the more of those, the better, you know. I, I think what Jess was saying earlier is a great idea. I think it, it's going to, it's, it's an evolving thing. And the more people, stakeholders, is talking together and feedback is going to help a lot. <laughs> I think it's about really getting out what the practical implications are as well. It's kind of, it's all fine saying it, but then there are things that you d people who are not working in the industry don't realize, I think. Um, but one thing, uh, I was working with a crew member from Galway um, a couple of years ago, and um, she said, and this that, um, when she comes to Dublin, she has to pay for her own accommodation and she doesn't get any per diems or anything like that. But when we've got Dublin or Wicklow crew going to that side of the country, they're getting per diems and their accommodation is paid for. And with my producer head on, I went, yeah, of course. But then when you think about it with from her perspective, it isn't very fair. So do you ever see a world where maybe there might be funding in place to help people, uh, you know, who 
coming from the other side of the country. Um, it's not always the case that people come from... Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of our productions, I know a few of them where certain people, we, we would pay for their, their, their accommodation in Dublin, who, you know, who would come from elsewhere. So, but no, it is a good point. I mean, it, it is, yeah, I mean, it comes back to my own point. It's all skewed too much towards inward into Dublin as opposed to outward into the regions, you know? I think it depends, though, Dave, doesn't it? Like on, you know, a lot of the people that you would be paying for would be HOD. So Correct. we're kind of talking about the, no, right. the yeah. middle kind of management. Yeah. No, and they're the ones yeah. that really are struggling to be in the no, pressure I, I, Oh, no, I agree. Yeah. No, totally, yeah. yeah. I agree with and I think the other side of that as well is like we're screaming out for crews. So sometimes you have to bring those people up. And I guess in that case, you can make the argument to, to pay for the accommodation, but then the budgets aren't going to go up. So, you know, it's a squeeze on our budgets then as well. And more money not going on the screen. But I think if, if people like an awful lot of Irish crew would shoot in London, they would put themselves up there. You know, so it's not necessarily a case of in the UK, if you shoot in London, there's people would drive or work, live in Manchester and just come up. To, so I think the expectation is, you know, that we would be put up by the production. But that's not necessarily always realistic either. I think that, you know, if I live in Wexford and I take a job in Galway, if it's a longer job, it might not be all about the production to, you know, absorb the cost of my relocating. And unfortunately, that's just, the, the transient nature of the industry globally is that you know the Dublin crew or the Wexford crew that go and work in Troy that's where the money's going and that's not a sustainable way to make movies either you know so I do think that there has to be a certain element of the per diems and all that stuff without people working for nothing I'm not in any way advocating that but you know there is a, a very high expectation of living allowance and everything here which I think needs to be looked at too. Um, so I'm just going to come to Tom now. So Tom is the coordinator of the um, National Youth Film and Animation Network, uh, which is, is it part of Young Irish Filmmakers or? Yeah, it yeah. is. Um, has been since 2019 when it was incepted, I suppose. I know it's a bit of a mouthful, a long one, but um, it kind of covers everything. Um, and yeah, I suppose what we do is we support young filmmakers and animators and the people who work with them around the country. Um, although it's funny, so I just had a thought when you were speaking about the regions there of sustainable production um, and sustainable crew. And it's like, it's almost like a chicken and egg, which comes first. You have like the lots of productions happening in Limerick and then there's crew or do you need the crew there before the productions will come? Um, I think it's a funny, interesting question. Um, but I suppose that kind of ties into a bit of what we do um, at Young Irish Filmmakers broadly we have, we're the, I suppose, the National Resource Organization for Youth Film. And what we want to do is, and what we do do, is we um, work, inspire young people to go into film careers and animation careers around the country. So our outreach program goes, works with about six, 700 young people a year through schools and youth groups, introducing them to film in a very practical way where they'll oftentimes write, shoot, and then edit their first film and give them a taste of what the industry is like um, and to give them a broad spectrum of the roles that are out there. Um, as well as that, we have our own after schools program in Kilkenny where we're based and we run a national youth film and animation school in Kilkenny every summer where, again, aspiring young filmmakers and animators will come to us 
and we'll set them up in as close to an industry environment as we can give them. So the animators have a studio that they work in for 10 days and produce two films, uh, usually cutouts or stop motion just for practical reasons. And the live action filmmakers will produce four shorts within um, about three, about nine days between pre-production, production and post. Um, and oftentimes it'll be young people's first time being gaffers or grips or ADs, or script supervisors. And they may not be roles that they thought even knew, knew existed, I suppose, before trying them out. But then they go away from that saying, actually, you know what, I, I want to do lighting. I don't want to be a DP, I want to be a spark. Or I met a young person today from last year's film school who said, I actually, I really like producing. So that's what they're going to start doing. So um, that's a lot of what we try and do. And do many of them go on to study film afterwards and stay in the industry? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't have the numbers to hand, but a lot of them would. Um, particularly because we do support young people who are at that point of applying for colleges, whether they go and study in IDT or the other uh, colleges. But I think is also going to be great in years to come for the regional aspects. Or having crew out in the regions, is it's not all in Dublin anymore. I think back when I was coming up, IDT was the only film course going, really. Now there's one nearly every... ATU, so I think that's going to give people a lot of options there. Um, and yeah, I think if people get the bug young and they stay with it and occurs, they go on. Um, many people who I was a member of Irish Filmmakers with a couple of a couple of years ago um, are still working in the industry and have kind of followed that through. And they're working on all different levels, below the line, above the line. And yeah, they've kind of started what they wanted to do young and just kept going with it. I know myself, I've worked with um, Fergal Costello, John Morton. Uh, is Tom Moore another person who went through the Young Irish Filmmakers? Uh, yeah, Tom and Paul would have been original members when the group started in 1991, mm -hmm. I think. Um, and for the first, I think it was Ballyfermot, they went to college and they came back and were given a bit of space upstairs in Young Irish Filmmakers to work. And that's where Cartoon Sue started. So they were able to do some advertisements, get some money in. They're working on Secret Accounts for years and years before anything established. But I think um, Cartoonson is a real um, example of what can be done when people are supported young to do what they want and they'll keep driving forward. And I suppose animation is different to live action. You can be set where it is. So Kilkenny has this mini animation industry now for such a small town. It's such a big part of it, but that's where they're from. And so it's easy for them to set up there. Um, with your live action, like I know people say, just for the example of Cook, any one of the regions, there was um, experiments with people trying to start production companies there, but the work isn't in it. So you're self-producing stuff, or you're trying to get it off the ground, but no one's really coming to you to make it sustainable. And so the people who were that company, Microfilms, it's still existent to a degree, but uh, most of them are working up in the pale uh, where it is. So I guess the big thing then, right, um, getting all the stakeholders together to really start developing an industry over a 10-year period. Um, so like some of the schemes that we've seen recently, like over the last couple of years, so like um, Passport to Production, how has that worked? Has that been successful? So we're get, that's essentially, isn't it? It's taking people who are from different industries and uh, training them to work in film or yeah I mean I think this might be a common thing as well but I think you know basically passport production is 
uh, a brilliant course where it, you know, it kind of gives people the opportunity to look at all the different departments. So it runs over a number of days and I'll probably get the details wrong, but maybe four or five days. But there's industry speakers and, you know, they learn about, you know, set etiquette and what everybody else does, which I think is so important for people that have been in the industry for 30 years, mightn't understand what other people do in other departments. Um, and then there's recent, more recently, a placement element to passport production. So, again, it's the nurturing and the, you know, everybody kind of is kind of picking departments and they change, you know, as Tom said, people start off in one and realize they really want to go to this other thing. But it's it's about, again, opening up the industry and, and people having the opportunity to work on set. Um, but it, it is a, a, a Coleman kind of thing, but just from a crew perspective. So, yeah, I think, um, but to that point, I think we run a whole range of different programs, which are also undergoing kind of constant iteration and improvement. So like when there are things are working well, that's great to hear. Thomas is actually better to hear when things aren't going so well or what can be improved. So since I came into the role, I've been trying to get out and about, which is coming here. I listen to Jess all the time, um, but really trying to get a sense of what is working and what can we improve and just taking that more iterative process. You know, nothing is ever unlike perhaps in a film project where something ultimately something has to reach a point where we say now it's done. Actually, because our programs are ongoing, we're sort of in a process of constant evolution and iteration and improvement, as well as looking for kind of new ideas and new approaches. Um, back to my earlier train of thought on what's happening. So there's probably two. So we're to be honest, Desiree in particular is, is very committed to, and we're not saying regional anymore because that's it sounds as its own kind of, oh, we're doing, you're the regional project. Hello, how are you doing? Um, I think a more national perspective, one, to having what can we do in the interim whilst this other con talks continue the background. So there's short-term slate funding, and we're also doing a pilot very, very early stages in Cork, uh, looking at how do we sort of take a more ecosystem type approach, I think is really interesting. So having worked a little bit in the entrepreneurial ecosystem in Ireland, it's really, really good at bringing kind of talent, ideas, people, money and opportunity together a lot without much necessarily expectation, but with a very high level of access. A line I've always said to sort of uh, early stage entrepreneurs in Ireland is who do you need to meet and then meet them? Not like, oh, I can't do such and such, blah, blah, blah. Kind of early on, say, but they've all been through that journey. And they're generally very, very giving back. And I think I really see that in the sector here. I'd probably add to that as though also don't just wait till you're sort of made it before you're giving back really really see yourself as part of building your community a part of building your community. that's what today is about we've had three people who are doing this on top of their regular jobs you know to really build that ecosystem and align well to entrepreneurs is like don't be the best and again to david's point you know don't be a better version of what's out there be the only which is just a phrase i love like don't be the best of this because that implies you're trying to be better than somebody else be the only what can you and your team uniquely bring to this world, because that almost just by definition will stand out. So I think it's really, um, yes, people like Screen Ireland and government can do things, but like most things at the end of the day, it's what everyone in the community is actually doing. Like you have a very vibrant, clearly vibrant sector down here, but how can you both promote your own project? And I really see coming into this, how tough a sector this is. You're freelance from day one. That's really, that got to be really, really hard. So a little bit, do look after yourself, Along the way, it's a tough journey, but also to be really seeing that you're, you don't succeed at the cost of someone else, that actually we can succeed at this together, which is a little maybe sort of utopian idealistic, but I think that's ultimately how ecosystems, I look at this as, um, you know, if you want to succeed in business to a certain extent, go into a good ecosystem because it becomes more likely that you will succeed. You're the same person, 
but you're in a more productive, easier to work in ecosystem. And the states, you know, particularly California would be good. But you can also create that ecosystem. And we're all part of co-creating that. So you have your own role, but also really conscious, how are you now co-creating your ecosystem so it's going to flourish? I'll stop there. David, did you want to say something? Um, yeah, no, I totally agree with everything Coleman has said. And I, I think the other thing is, I think, um, against the point of the international environment as such, I mean, Ireland has a, a lot of huge advantages. I mean, we're a very attractive location to shoot in. Obviously, the tax incentive is, is obviously a big attraction, and it's it's a much more attractive tax incentive than similar tax incentives in other countries for a whole other reason, which I won't bore you to death about. Um, obviously, there's been the increase in the cap, which you're aware about will really kick in early next year. Now, that only affects a small number of very, very large budget productions, but that those small number of very large budget productions employ an awful lot of crew. And it also means that you're on the map internationally. I mean, you can bring in the 150 million plus projects now because the tax incentive is there. That's all positive. Also, I was saying to Tim earlier on, I mean, a huge attraction uh, to international productions is that there are brilliantly well-trained crew in the country, crew who have worked all over the world. They've worked in international productions here. They've worked in international productions aboard, abroad. Every production that we're involved in, we always recommend uh, entirely Irish crew and entirely Irish HODs. I'm sure Jack's the same in her productions too. And 10 years ago, they might say, well, we might consider some of the HODs but we don't feel there's a full suite. Now, there's no doubt about it, there is a full suite of not just HODs, but entire departments. Um, so, and, and then the other thing, by the way, just to say as well, another attraction is that the industry is now considered to be, from an industrial relations point of view, much more stable than it was a number of years ago. We have a, a very well-working shooting crew agreement with SIPTU. The, con the construction collector agreement came in last year, which is working very well. We hope there'll be an agreement with the Spark sometime soon. That'll all help, but that all helps a lot too. So. And the other thing just to say is internationally, now that the SAG strike is over and the writer strike is over, obviously the entire industry is, is now gearing up. I mean, Thanksgiving is next week and really, really the industry won't really fully come into force until early next year. But there's going to be an awful lot of productions coming to Ireland, Inc., basically, which is fantastic. But the two things were, were short, in my opinion, is people and facilities, um, our infrastructure. Um, so the industry needs more people. But we can't have a situation, it's not sustainable, long run, if all most of those productions are all funneling into Dublin. Um, so it's great to see all this anticipated huge level of increase in business. It's going to be great for the entire industry, for all the crew, and to bring a new crew. But it has to be spread more widely around the country. Um, so I think there's an opportunity. There, there's, it's, it's a problem and an opportunity all in the same. But it's just about how, how do we harness all that great new business that I think is almost definitely going to be coming in over the next few years. Um, we need crew, and are, are there any particular roles that you're finding a shortage of, or is it just across the board? Uh, well, I think it's, it's it's kind of across the board. Well, there's a number of things. I mean, for, there's there's a d distinct lack of accountants. Yeah. That's one thing in particular. <laughs> I know we laugh at that, but actually, it's true. It's uh, yeah. uh, there's a lack of people. I think in VFX, there's a, there's a shortage of people in. And in pretty much in every department, actually. I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, the thing is, I suppose, nature industry, a lot of people, I mean, the AD department is the kind of the, the kind of entry or the, the, the gateway for a lot of people who aren't quite sure exactly what role they want to do. So a lot of people go into, a, into the AD department is never really short of people. I think Jester you agree, there's always people in. But I mean, there's, you know, in, in what I would call the technical areas, I mean, in sound, there aren't, there's definitely, I think there's a lack of people in sound, yeah. camera, uh, grips. Um, and, the, and the other thing is there are certain departments where 
to be honest. There's a gender imbalance, and I think in certain departments as well, there's there's uh, the how to put it, the, the succession rate isn't fast enough. You know, there's certain areas whereby there's you know it's great there's people there for 20, 30, 40 years, but there, there aren't. There's sort of what I call bed blockers, really. They're kind of stopping new people coming up to a certain extent. You know, um, so it's kind of across the board. I think. Mm. Would you agree, Jess? Did you say bed blockers? I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I think you know what I mean. I do. It was very delicately put, actually. I, but I think, yeah, I mean, it's very, it's a parochial sort of industry at the moment in a lot of departments still. Um, and I think we do need to look at other countries and how they work, like Australia um, and Canada, where you know gender just isn't an issue, and it shouldn't be an issue at all. Um, and I think we've inherited a lot of that kind of parochial attitude, and thankfully because of these types of things and passport production, a lot of the training um, and that dedication to diversity, it's not so much of a problem because there's a lot of crew now making sure they're bringing people with them. But yeah, there is definitely a few a few departments. I think this is being recorded, so I'm going to be very careful about what I say. Um, but there are definitely departments that we need to open up. We're not, we can't do anything about those kind of uh, blockages, but we can just open them up to other regions and other people, really. Um, but yeah, I think accountants as well. And I'm not sure why, because there's so many, so much training going on for accountants, but I think it's such a high level. And every accountant I know is busy in doing two or three different jobs, you know, prep and, you know, so it's, it's a constant issue. Um, I have to say, it, it's weird. I think I started about 30 years ago and there was a shortage of sound operators then and there still is now. They're the, they're the hardest people to find and there's a real shortage of women sound operators there. But I'm loving... Yeah. yeah. I can only think of one or maybe two. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> I think Hopefully a... she'll be available when it comes to it. But yeah, no, I agree. Apparently there's three or four who work in TV like docs and things. I'm, I'm, if I get the contact information, I'll pass it on to you guys. Um, and I, I understand the physicality of being a boom operator, but I'm not sure why, what the blockage there is. I think it's actually David's point of, uh, you know, it's just this small group of people and they do it to a really high standard, don't get me wrong, but we need to open up. We need more, yeah, just we need practically. More. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I have to say, like, on any shoots that I've been doing in the last while, looking at the camera department, seeing all those women there, it's great. There's like so many women coming into that, which is amazing. And it's uh, sometimes it, we could do with some more women DOPs, I think, but they're they're on their way, I think. They're definitely on the way. And yeah. I, it's a long game. And I think there's about five or six I could think of. There's a few really, really brilliant ones already. But I think, you know, in five years time, 10 years time, we'll definitely see the talent coming to the top, I think. It's a couple of sparks, a couple of grips, I think, as well. Yeah. 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 Actually, I, yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's quite a lot. Working yeah. as a grip, isn't she? And I think, you know, they're at a level now where she's at a level where hopefully in five, again, five, six years, and you can't rush it either because the standard needs to be really high. But again, everybody's encouraging um, and teaching. So hopefully, yeah, we'll have a very different landscape in probably five to ten years and that is actually a fair point you can't rush it just for the sake of it as well there is a certain amount of you don't come out of college ready or qualified you have to put in the time on sets and and it takes time but it's worth it i think at this point i might just open it up to uh, any questions from the floor
Sonny Murphy. Oh. Thank you so much for today. It's been really amazing, Fiona, and I think you organized it, right? Um, and Laura. Three of us. Yeah, really, really amazing. So I'm sort of swimming in the other direction. I'm coming from California to Wexford via Paris. Um, <laughs> and uh, I know I've mentioned this before and on Wednesday, but until last week, literally, I was in complete seclusion thinking about my vampire documentary and my album and all this. And all of a sudden, I was like, there are people around. So my question is, um, selfish, will you <laughs> organize more, I don't like the word networking, but where we can meet each other and it's, you know, we can kind of get inspired and... I'm not even sure how I got the email for Wednesday, honestly. <laughs> So it's been a few years and uh, we've been kind of working together with the Wexford County Council and uh, economics. So we know that business and creative are incredibly important and as much as possible, you know, work with the guilds and you know, wherever we can. We're also all working. <laughs> so, you know, we're working in the industry and what we understood is that like one of the big thing for me was the break in Red Rock, Paul Walker. Uh, it was a showrunner of Red Rock. Uh, Fiona Lanham would have got her break at Red Rock. I would have got my break at Red Rock, and so would have Hannah. So what was really key to that was the fact that it was Screen Skills had joined forces with Red Rock, and they were bringing a lot of traineeships. A lot of that was to do with budget because, you know, we yeah. need it, right? You know, so like it was, you know, the, the show didn't have a big budget. I did a shadow program. Fiona, did you do a shadow program as well? Right. Yeah. So those are the things that we, so it's because of that. It's because of film base. It's because of the master's program at film base that I did. It was all, I couldn't, we couldn't have done it without having those incentives where, you know, I, I didn't have to pay for my master's because, you know, it would have been five grand to do it, but they, you know, gave me a bursary. Uh, the accommodation thing that you're talking about was really key because it was screen skills that gave us the money for the accommodation. I live in Wexford. I have two kids. I couldn't go to, I couldn't go to Dublin and live for five weeks to be on a shadow program. But because of screen skills, they provided that. And then that, I mean, it was, it was those pockets of money that allowed us to do that, that then gave us our first opportunity where we went back to Red Rock and the producers where they said, you know, you know, can I now direct a, a, an episode? And they gave us our first break. So, what we do, you know, at Screen Wexford, we're trying to do as many of these 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 kind of things as possible. It's very difficult because now we're working in the industry, which is amazing. But um, we do have a, a, you know, we have our coordinator at Screen Wexford. So I'd encourage anyone who's not signed up to Screen Wexford, we have a website. Sign up to that. There's networking. There's networking events every month. That Suzanne Mackenzie Young was here earlier. Um, Suzanne runs those networking events. It's just to get people talking and to see who's out there in the community. That can be at all different levels. Unfortunately, because people are working, they may not be able to make the networking events, but it's everybody that's starting off. That's where, you know, like that's, everybody has, to, has a jumping off point and ScreenWex are definitely there to help people. So we, we, you know, we don't have a lot of money, but we do provide bursaries for films. So we have our screen our screening at the end of the month 
Or like we've had like 2,500 that would, you know, two, three, three filmmakers and will show their, their films at the end of the month. Um, but I would encourage you to come, like once you sign up to the, you know, subscribe to Screen Wexford, do make contact with Suzanne because wherever we can help people, we are looking at changing things all the time. So if we do have a bit of money and somebody is, has got a course that they want to go on or a shadow program that they get accepted for, then we will look at that. We'll, you know, as the steering committee, we'll go back in and we'll say, well, you know, okay, we've only got 500 quid, but that could help somebody to progress in their career. Um, we did Passport to Production a, couple, a number of years ago. Um, I think it's an amazing course if it could be rolled out more. I think there was 15 people on the course and four of them are now currently working in the industry. I think that's a really, really, you know, like out of 15, there's four that are working more or less full-time going from strength to strength. And uh, Leo too will be one of those. And, and Leah has been working for, I don't know if you know Leah, do you? Is it, but Leah has been, she's, she's great. She's been working in camera department. We're talking about more women in camera department. So, um, yeah, so in, sorry, that's a long one, but that's kind, it's kind of for everybody. It's just everybody here. What I'm finding is we're kind of preaching to the converted, like the same, the same people are signed up. And maybe you're finding that in screen skills as well, is that like the same people are doing the courses. How do we, how do we let people know that they can work in film and people, you know, that it is more accessible? Is there, is, is there more need for visibility? marketing letting people know that that you know we are crying out for more accountants because i feel like a lot of time these conversations take place among ourselves and then we don't and you know the outside world don't know enough about it yeah again someone from someone outside the sector like on the one hand the sector is cool you know it's like <laughs> like it has a cachet that most sectors don't have uh, so you know on one hand you think people will be clamoring to get in I do wonder sometimes if the narrative, which is, my God, it's terrible, you know, it's very tough, very hard, very, blah, blah, which is partially true, but it's also not the whole story. So in a way, once you're here, you're part, you're an ambassador for your sector. And I also get, because it's in one, in the short term, it can be quite competitive. We see it in Screen Ireland. I joined Screen Ireland and said, oh yeah, you're the organization everyone complains about. And I was like, well, okay. So as in people apply for funding and if they get a rejection, obviously the short term, they're a little bit frustrated with that. But ultimately, you know, we're all part of creating this sector. Um, I'd be encouraging returners, people who have maybe have worked in other careers and are thinking of moving into it. I think there's also opportunities for people who've taken one pathway within the sector and are maybe now more mid to later career and actually may now want to change to something maybe, maybe suits a better lifestyle stage. So, you know, don't just see it's not a singular path. And also I've come from no background in this space and I've actually found people to be very kind of open and welcoming and accepting. It's not like, oh, well, what would you know all the time? Actually very open to other ideas. But I think so. I think behoves everyone here one to see yourself. You are now part of it. You're not waiting to be part of it. You are part of it by the fact that you're here. One, two, and that everyone is an ambassador for bringing others in. And you're in helping others. We ultimately, again, it sounds a little Pollyanna-ish, but in helping others, we ultimately, Emer, whom I don't know, but I saw her speak at Culture Crush, and she spoke one about an opportunity that she had got earlier on in her career. And then this young lady from a university spoke up and, and asked her a question in the Q&A section. And Emer, in a way that seemed extremely genuine, is like, you know, come talk to me afterwards. And it was just a lovely moment. So, you know, people are, will be giving back, but also just whatever stage you're at, don't, you know, 90% maybe your project, but 10% on how are we all co-creating this ecosystem? Because that's what would succeed, a successful ecosystem. And then success becomes much more likely for everybody within it. Uh, Coleman, just uh, for anyone that's listening that's on the live stream or anything like that, can you just tell us then 
because there is a there is a page on the there's a careers in film. Yeah, so sign up to the newsletter. That's yeah. one. I never heard about that course. <laughs> you know, maybe sign up to the newsletter. Like give us give us a bit of a chance. Uh, one, sign up to the newsletter. Two, connect with the NTAs. Like they're very close to the ground and also the team within Skills Ireland. Like they're out and about. They are listening to people. We are responsive to what's coming up, as are the NTAs. There's also the crew database. If you haven't already, please sign up to it. And it's a sort of, again, the more people who sign up to it, the more useful that's going to be. And we're, we're seeing not just sign-up rates in that. There's about 1,400 sign-up, but actually usage of that beginning to increase because as there's more on it, the more useful it actually becomes. And you can also see upcoming productions as well. So people are looking for entry roles. On Passport, we'll be doing... There was probably got a little quieter during the strike. We weren't pushing that as much. But I think going into next year, that will be promoted more again. Uh, we also have a... a um, there's a bursary fund, which is up to 5,000. You know, again, look at the website to, to do something internationally. There is a skills development event fund, which is up to 5,000 to do a small skills learning opportunity. You also have a larger stakeholders fund. Um, and we also run, you know, training, which we try to be as responsive as we can to people. So, you know, let us know what's working well, what's working less now, where there are needs. But also to sign up to what's there and avail of what's there already. Uh, yeah, most definitely. Well, our experience with Screen Ireland is we couldn't be here right now without you guys, and you've been incredibly supportive of the Writers Program. Obviously, that's all funded by you know for, by you guys and Creative Ireland as well. So, um, yeah. So thanks because well, you, you're doing well, brilliant I'll, work. It wasn't think. me, to be honest, but uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll pass it back. But as a philanthropist said to me, where I was kind of on the other side, is you know giving the money is the easy part. Really, you know what you guys do is, is the hard part. You know, Screen Ireland is I think at its best when it's an enabler. And it's kind of, you know, leading and maybe a policy level and enabling other things to happen. But it's really everyone in this room, at whatever stage you're at, like you're the ones actually creating, actually bringing things to life. And our job here is to try and make that a little bit easier for you guys, essentially. Well, with our writers program, we are trying to get a Red Rock uh, model up and running again. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know, so we're glad there's some producers here in the room that we can talk to. <laughs> uh, any more questions? Um, yeah, thanks. I agree. It's just been such a, uh, an inspiring day. But I guess just to add on to that, like um, for me, and I think for maybe a lot of people of my age, I've been away from the industry for a long, long time. And I'm of that kind of era of the early school leaver era and gone and had loads of different experiences in different parts of the arts and different parts of the world. And so I come in like being really like, where do I fit in? <laughs> Having all of this like amazing inspiration in my head, but like not being able to get it out there. And also like a variety of disabilities, unseen disabilities in terms of dyslexia and ADHD and all that. Kind of. And like, I feel like I have something, but I don't, I, 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 I don't know how to package it and how to move into it. And I feel, is this like, uh, is it beyond now, does everybody have to have a degree and a postgrad and a, and a PhD, or is there space for people like me? Uh, yes, <laughs> definitely. Um, most of the people who send us scripts or whatever are more qualified than me or my partner, Dom, <laughs> um, as to sort of, you know, academics. But yeah, do you know what's interesting is depending on the territory that you're um, co-producing with, the way HODs and crew present themselves is sometimes different. And we're finding there's a trend now for people having blogs or websites to showcase their work or their personality. Um, and it's kind of a very common thing. So it might be one way to kind of 
you know, if you just find a name on a the crew database, like who is this person? You can't see them on IMDb, or you do find them on IMDb, or they've got three profiles on IMDb. You know, which one is it? But if you are looking for someone and they've got a website or a blog or something that showcases just their work or what they want to do, um, that's really helpful. A, a huge amount of people in in our industry, the creative, let's say sculpting, or if it's the miniatures or if it's designing or anything, that is hard dyslexic actually as well. And I found that in New Zealand as well, there was 80% of the people there were dyslexic. And it can be a bit of a string to your bow as well because when you focus in and kind of uh, do a bit of a tunnel vision, you can really come out with something special, I think, especially if you're, I'm dyslexic myself, so I'd be kind of hyper attentive if it's if it's sculpture, if it's the finish or whatever's going out on set. It's really important that I look at every little fine detail. And I think that's a, a little touch of the dyslexia and stuff like that. So I would use that to string to your bow really as well. Yeah. Um. Just to, just to your specific point, do you need a degree or do you need whatever? I mean, the quick answer is absolutely not. I mean, I never studied film in my life. I never did a film course. Um, and I know a lot of people in the industry who are exactly the same. Now, having said that, there's brilliant courses and the array of courses now is fantastic. But it's not a barrier to entry to have not done a course. Uh, that's the key thing to say. The other thing I just say, by the way, is, um, and it's kind of linked back a little bit to us, one of the points I was making around about how the industry has evolved. It's also just much more cognizance given now to um, the working environment. I mean, as you probably know, Screen Ireland and the department are very much involved in these safety to create <laughs> initiatives, which I think are great. And in fact, as you probably know, it's now a requirement of 481 um, that all crew have to sign. You have to do these three online courses, which and you get a certificate last for three years, and it's all anti-bullying, anti-harassment, etc. Um, and the other thing as well is certainly for the last few years, it's been much more focused on work-life balance. Um, you know, most most crews now are working 10 hour continuous days rather than 11 hours days. So that makes a difference as well. People are, you know, they're getting to spend a bit more time away from a set and, you know, getting that balance a bit more. It's rare to work weekends now. I mean, when I started a business, it was absolutely common to do what they call 11 day fortnights. Like every second weekend you were working Saturday. That's pretty much gone. Um, so that's, so there's a lot, I think the working environment has improved a lot. And I think there's much more uh awareness of the fact that it's not just about the quantity of work it's about the quality of work and that everyone within the industry as well must you know must be protected i suppose and we're all there to protect each other you know um so i think you know that should be sort of embraced as well in terms of fact and the other thing just briefly to say as well is that the industry itself um there, it needs so many different skills so many different skills i mean you know i mean you got everything from you know you need people in the art department with very specific skills and then you go Right, you know, right across the board, you need people who, in VFX, you need people like again. If you talk about accountancy, why why is it not attractive? I think it's because partially because some people go in because they they feel it's not glamorous or whatever. But the point is, the industry absolutely needs accountants. You know, we need people to in in that department. Um, but I mean, it's not. It, it needs so many different skills. So I, I I actually think if you put together a room of any number of people, you'd find each person would have a skill that can be adapted towards the industry. It's a very, very broad industry in that sense. I mean, the number of skill sets are required are huge. And therefore, I think sometimes people feel, oh, no, I couldn't get into the industry because, you know, I'm not a filmmaker, I'm not a director, I'm not a writer. But the industry needs far more than that, you know? I mean, right across the board, you need far more skills than that. So, I mean, uh, but I, I think the problem is, I think sometimes we're seen as a bit of a closed industry because it's not so for industry that, you know, you know, suddenly you see every, every Friday open a website, here's all the jobs this week in the film industry. It doesn't really work like that, unfortunately. 
but it goes back to my point earlier on that, you know, not to overuse the word networking, and I know you were talking about networking as well, it's actually about putting yourself out there in the industry, and then suddenly you'll hear about a lot of opportunities. Um, and all the sort of Coleman's doing the Screen Ireland and all the stuff on the Screen Ireland website, all the training stuff is fantastic. And that's a great resource. I really, I'd agree with absolutely tap into that. That's the way to find out really what's happening, you know. Of course. Yeah, I would, I would say, you know, to everybody's point, you know, it's very inclusive industry. I know people talk about opening it up. There's so many different types of people with different backgrounds and different skills, and some of them are very specific. Um, and I would think, you know, maybe like the AD department or stand-in or something where you're on the set that you could see, you know, what everybody's doing or passport to production. I would highly recommend applying for that. The talent academies um, and even, you know, the Screen Guilds, we have a an Instagram account where we highlight different crew members every week. And it'll just sometimes, and even I'm still fascinated by jobs that I didn't really know were actual jobs. So, you know, it's, and it's changing, it's always evolving. And I think virtual production is a big thing. So maybe the job that is meant for you hasn't even really started to become a job yet. So I would stick with, you know, the people that you've met today and check, you know, and get in touch with us at any point. Um, and we can introduce you to different groups of people, but like it is, it's very much a, an interesting uh, industry. And you can move around a lot in it as well, so you don't have to just know what you want to do. Anyone else? Any more questions? No? Good. Okay, I, I think we might wrap it up there. It's been a really long afternoon, but a really <laughs> great afternoon. Um, thanks again to all of the speakers and to all of you guys. And um, to all of our funders and also a big thank you to Fiona who's really actually pulled this together because <laughs> we've been up the wall so thanks, thanks Fiona If you'd like to support Women in Film and Television Ireland or follow the work we do log on to wft.ie